Good morning. Brother Nate, thanks for being here this morning. Um, we're going to get started uh, right on time at 9.30 uh, with music, of course, uh, to allow other people to get on. And we'll uh, do that with a selection uh, provided by the praise team. That's I'm watching the clock. It still says 9.29. Ah, 9.30 now. Okay, good morning. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Sunday School for this morning for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church. Thanks for being here this morning. Marnell, good morning. Ann, good morning. Uh, thanks for being here. Um, love having you guys. Uh, let's get started. First of all, I want to make sure that we're allowing other people to get on while we're waiting. I'm going to play uh, Smokey Norfolk's version, uh, I Need You Now. And we'll play that and let people get on as we listen. Feelings of guilt, hurt, shame, 
Oh. oh, okay. So, uh, good morning again. Uh, that was Smoky Norful. Uh, I Need You Now. Uh, a great, great music, a great song, a uh, great way to start us off for the day. Um, we've got uh, uh, a good Sunday school lesson that's going to hit close to home for a lot of us because it actually has to do with our households and rules for Christian living within our households. But with that said, I want to take care of some business here with some announcements. Um, welcome to Sunday School. Coming to you live from a living room in Little York, Ohio. Uh, we're here to uh, go over some things that are very uh, important. First of all, for church later today, uh, going to church uh, at uh, Akron Alliance, if you're in Akron, uh, it's going to be a little cooler than it's been for the last few weeks. Um, the temperature at 11 o'clock is supposed to be about 68 degrees. It is not supposed to rain. It's going to be cloudy. Um, it's supposed to clear up later on today for some sunshine, but um, the nice thing is that we won't have any rain, but uh, we will be meeting in the back of the church. We'll be on the, uh, in the parking lot area because the grass is too wet. We got a lot of rain on Friday, um, a, little bit, a little bit of rain on Saturday, and that kind of took care of uh, our Sunday worship service being uh, frankly, on uh, on the parking lot area. So we will be meeting in the back parking area, which means you can stay in your car or bring your lawn chair and uh, sit outside of the car as well, too. Um, it's going to be comfortable. Uh, 68 degrees is quite comfortable, actually, um, and we have fully expect it to be very nice, but I'll be wearing long sleeves just because of that, um, just to make sure. The... Um, very important for you to make sure that you're social distancing, of course, with your masks as needed. Still a level two uh, state of emergency in Summit County, uh, which means that uh, the protocol we're following is the protocol we should be following. Um, please remember to bring your, your tithes and your offerings uh, if you're coming to church. Um, it'll be They can be dropped off on the side of the church at the front entrance in the drop box area. If you are mailing your tithe or offering, uh, please send it to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Um, and we'll gladly appreciate those as well, too. Still have to pay those utilities, still have to pay those bills. So we appreciate your taking care of that. And um, with that in mind, that are the, those are the announcements. And just remember to, of course, keep Pastor Gus in prayer for his recovery. He is... Uh, slated to come back next Sunday. So we'll see how that works. We'll see if that's what's in, in, the st in store, and we pray that that will happen. Um, but keep praying for him as well, too, as he recovers um, uh, from uh, the, the surgery and uh, that he gets better and better every day. Amen? Um, Ed Parkman, good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. 
Um, let's go ahead and get into the word. We're going to be looking at the book of Colossians, and we're going to be finishing up the book of Colossians, verses uh, chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 18. So what I'm going to do is open up with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to set aside this time just to quiet ourselves, quiet our spirits, um, slow ourselves down just enough to hear you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you in this unbelievable revolutionary way we're able to get together online and just come before you and come before you in our quietness waiting to hear you speak to us, waiting to hear you teach us, waiting to hear you give instruction on how we should live and how we should move going forward. We thank you for this opportunity to do those very things. Lord, bless us and keep us as a people, as a church, our families. We just thank you again for the ability to do what we're doing because there truly is freedom in worshiping you. You said it in your word, those who are free in Christ are free indeed. And we thank you for that reminder. And we give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to be reading from verses uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 418. And the latter part of the, the passage is going to be more about uh, summarizing and, and extending greetings, but it still has some uh, information in there that's going to be beneficial for us as we look at it. So let me start reading. It's going to be the New Living Translation. You guys follow along in your Bibles and electronic devices. Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 18. And it's all the way through the end of the chapter. Starting with verse 18. Very familiar passage. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Now back to on to chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of that time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. 
Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him, and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Verse 13, For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you read the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Okay, so as you can see, the last part of that letter was basically Paul naming individuals that uh, are to be regarded uh, people that they'll either the church will either be having contact with or people who are extending greetings. But he, what he's doing is he's giving and establishing those individuals that you can trust, that you can look to for guidance because they have been looking after me. They know of me. They know what's going on in my life. And so uh, it's very important for you to recognize those individuals and greet them when they come. And that's a lesson for all of us as well, too. Uh, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a body of believers that uh, get together and we want to make sure that we are acknowledging those individuals um, and acknowledging them and knowing those are the people that we are to entrust and look to for guidance and wisdom from the Lord. Let's go back to the top. Uh, much of the material is up in the first section, of course, and there's, it's very rich and there's a lot of good information here. Um, back to the section about where it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So what is he doing here by he's making these comments to the wives, the husbands, uh, how to treat their, their wives, husbands, how to treat your, um, uh, your children, the family. All of these things are setting guidelines for how we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are to behave in our households. Now let's face it, if we can't manage our households effectively and we can't do what's necessary, we're going to have a hard time. Uh, managing life outside of our households or dealing with other individuals or people. It really does start at home. It really does start with taking care of home. My wife and I were on a drive yesterday, and one of the things that we talked about that's really important is that the house needs to be a refuge. Wherever you have a home, it should be a place of refuge. It should be a place where you feel comfortable going home, that you want to be at home. You want to be with your wife. You want to be with your family. Um, it should never be a point where, boy, I, oh, I got to go home now. What a, what, a, what a lousy existence I have. Well, that's something's deeply wrong if you go home and that's the most you can come up with. Um, the home should be a refuge. It should be a place of refuge where you can go and sit and talk to your wife and be honest with her and talk to her about things and have those honest conversations that need to be had sometimes where... Not, not, not to sort of think anything bad, but just something where you're just speaking about how you feel. Because you can't tell everyone what you tell your wife. You, you can't express to everyone how you feel about certain things. There are certain things that you have to share with your wife. 
There are certain ways that you talk to your children. You don't want your world teaching the children. You need to teach them. Um, it's very important for these things to take place. So this is a very important part of Scripture that sometimes it, it, it bears witness that we don't go too quickly through this. So Paul is giving rules for the household. He is establishing house, household rules. He's giving our relationship rules, three sets of relationship rules. Husbands and wives, parents and children, and back at that time, you have to go by the, what was being written here in the time of the day, in the time of the, the, the era this is written in, also masters and slaves. Because there were, uh, there was masters, there were masters and slaves back then, of course, and we know that. Um, and not to be uh, overly uh, uh, con uh, common, give a whole lot of commentary about this, but slavery has been around for a long time. It's always been around. It's not, it didn't just start here in the United States. It's always been a part of the lives of people. Now, this is not a justification for it, and I'll address that later. But these are actually rules in the household because you have three different relationships that were taking place at that time in the household. Wives and husbands, parents and children, and masters and slaves. And there is a responsibility in each of these to submit to love, to obey, and encourage, um, to work hard and be fair. So all of these things take place within these relationships. You have an expectation in these relationships that things are to be done with fairness and that you're to be right and that you don't mistreat people. Notice how they, automatically we think about what slave owners do to mistreat slaves. But we sometimes forget to even overlook how wives treat their husbands, or how husbands treat their wives, or how parents, you know, lord over their children, or how maybe even children mistreat other children. Well, before you look at what somebody else is doing, you better look at what you're doing first. And I think that's the important thing to understand here is that if you want a household that is unified, that glorifies God, that has the attitude that you are truly looking to him, then your behavior uh, could be indeed important for us to look at. Um, Ronnie's making a comment asking about could this be referred to our supervisors and over us in the workplace? Absolutely. This is all about human behavior. This is human behavior, treating people the right way. Supervisors should not be mistreating those who report to them. Uh, I'm very conscious of that in my relationship with my people at work uh, about what supervisors are, are, are doing. I've heard horror stories about how supervisors uh, treat other people. I actually inferred about that and talked about that in last week's sermon um, where people were absolutely damaged because of how they were mistreated. And so the same thing applies in the workplace. Now, we're talking about rules for the household here because... It starts at home. If you're going to treat people the right way, you need to treat people the right way at home. Don't be this person that is like uh, a holy terror at home where you're just abusing all kinds of people. You go out in the world and you're treating people all nice and everything. That's just living a double life. Uh, it starts at home first. So we want to emphasize that, especially with this passage here. Yes, the application absolutely does apply to uh, how you treat people outside uh, of the home. But... It starts at home. Chances are, if you're mistreating people at home, uh, mistreating people out in the workplace in a supervisor, whether you're a supervisor or not, chances are things are not right at home, and that needs to be addressed. So we need to make sure that we're paying attention to that. 
So examine your family and your relationships, your work relationships as well, too. Examine those things. Um, are you relating to people as God intends you to relate to them? Are you behaving in such a way where God is speaking to you and saying, this is how you should be behaving, this is what you should be doing? Are you paying attention to those very things? If you're not, then we need to go back and look at this. Let's go back and look at the passage, verse uh, chapter 3, verse um, 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer, we pay back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So what this passage is referring to, if you go back further in the passage about children obeying your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Disobedient children are accounted for here too. Wives have to submit to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Don't be mean to them. I, I'm always mortified if I think I'm saying things harsh in the household, but they're not necessarily directed at anybody, but everybody reacts. There is a response, and so I'm very sensitive to that as well, too, to make sure that my harshness is rare. Uh, I think that's the best way to put it, uh, rare harshness. Um, <laughs> and, and that's only because um, the people around me are very sensitive to me and my own feelings. I mean, they, they know if I'm upset about something, and if so, if I'm upset about something, they get upset. And so, but it doesn't mean I'm directing anything to them. I'm making that clear for everybody online. So just make sure that you're aware of that. We're, um, we, we have a great household and we continue to have a great household, but we are conscious of other people's feelings. And I think that that is what is really important when we talk about wives submitting to your husbands, husbands loving your wives, children obeying your parents, fathers don't provoke your children so they become discouraged. And even in verse 22, bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord. And that is where it goes back to working heartily for the Lord in whatever you do. It has universal application for everyone involved here. And the reality is, is that we have people who, um, you had people who probably were responding in the, back in the day, um, because it's written here by Paul, you're not just doing stuff to be a people pleaser or not doing stuff just for uh, to look good, but you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Um, that imply, applies to you just don't work because the master's looking at you, for example, or in the case of the work, the supervisor. You do the work regardless whether someone's looking at you or not because you're giving what? Honor and glory to God. That's why you do it. That's exactly what the, the instructions are. Now, if you want to jot down on your own, I'm not going to turn to these, but there's additional instructions about this behavior in Ephesians 5.21 um, through 6.9. Uh, we won't turn to that. That's going to be your homework on the side to look at those passages, Ephesians 5.21 through 6.9, about similar instructions on how to uh, work with these relationships with people. So now let's move fur further into this lesson and look at um, verse 1 of chapter 4 in Colossians. And we need to, uh, let me emphasize again, verse 25, I apologize. For the wrongdoer we paid back for the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. Which means there's no partiality between a slave master and a slave. 
No partiality between a husband or a wife. No partiality between children. No partiality between any people in the relationship. Ultimately, you're accountable to God for your behaviors. It doesn't matter what relationship you have and who people are. And let's, let's start with this, too. Not every relationship between slave and master back in the day was a bad relationship. They were usually very good ones. You have to understand that it was a different time, a different era, and they were people who legitimately had to work to earn uh, to be in someone's household. They may have been orphans. They may have been people who were just not being regarded by their own families. They may have been cast out. There's all different kinds of reasons for um, master and servant relationships, which is probably not often reported, but it probably should be because we need to make sure that we understand that, first of all, we're not condoning slavery. We're not condoning the act of slavery. And when we talk about slavery, we're talking about people who are doing things where they're not welcome in a household. They were basically uh, subjugated to being in their own quarters and being in their own place, and they weren't allowed access to the house, that type of thing. That's a completely different scenario, and we need to make that clear as well, too. And what I would challenge anyone to do if they have questions about the history of slavery, to go back and look at uh, the history. You're going to find all kinds of different responses to that depending upon who the writers are there's going to be a lot of people who say slavery is horrible and and there are others but i'm going to challenge you to, to broaden your horizons here and think a little bit more about these relationships in the household here and what we're referring to if paul is giving guidance to the slave master let's start go to verse one masters treat your bond servants justly and fairly knowing that you also have a master in heaven now, what does that say right there? It says automatically that that master is not to be mistreating anyone who is under their authority. It means they have to be just, they have to be fair, because they answer to God, period. You know you have a master in heaven. And understand that these are people who uh, have relationships with the Lord. They had know who the Lord is. But this is why we need to have this conversation with you about what these household relationships really meant back at that time and what they referred to. Um, we need to understand that there's no, con there's no condoning of slavery, there's no condemning of slavery that's being mentioned here, but it makes a statement that Christ is making that no matter who the person is and what the differences are or the divisions are, slaves are supposed to behave as though the master is Christ himself and the masters are supposed to treat those slaves as if they have an authority in Christ. So how can you go wrong? If everyone's looking to Christ, then everything is being done in the right manner and fashion. Understand that Paul made it a point to write this and be very specific about those relationships. Um, we need to understand that that's very, very important for us to see. Slaves are supposed to work hard as well, too. Masters had to be just and fair. There is a section in chapter 3, verses 22 and 25, um, as far as looking at how they were supposed to behave and, and look to the Lord Jesus Christ. But now we're talking about in, in chapter 4, verse 1, it's about fairness. I'm, I'm sending a note to someone. Well, that just sent me a message. Um, some people may be having technical difficulties, don't know um, what the reason for that is. Um, all I know is that Facebook uh, the last week was kind of wonky, and um, we'll have to see what, what happens with that. They're changing format right now. And they are changing a format. So, good, Beverly, you're not great. Uh, I appreciate that. So, 
Um, some people are, are, are answering the, the text as well, too. So good job, guys. Way to be on it. So I don't want to lose the point here about this. Sometimes we get hung up on the word slavery, and, and we need to make sure that we're looking at it specifically in the context of what's being written here and make sure that we're not uh, stretching this into condoning of slavery. Now, I will say this. Back in the day, there were a lot of people in the Southern Baptists and Southern um, congregations who did try to condone slavery by stretching it into the meaning of what was being written here, perhaps in this very passage. And that was wrong because that was not implied whatsoever. So, And you have to understand that back at that time, um, in that uh, part of the country, slavery was still accepted. There was still something that was uh, condoned. It was allowed. But we also understand that there was a civil war in this country, frankly, about um, freedom and slavery. And so we understand that that civil war was fought um, and... Some people never got over that, um, and that's kind of how that worked out. But we need to make sure that when we're looking at scriptures like this, that we take them very seriously, take them into account, and don't read anything into them. We have a lot of people who will read stuff into things that are just not there, and that's not biblical. It's not scriptural. It's not condoned. It's not something you should be doing. So we need to keep that in mind as we look at this. So I hope I addressed that. And Paul, just as an example here, you notice how we have the mention of Onesimus and Philemon. He may have been specifically thinking about those two individuals. That was a slave and master conflict. Now Philemon, you'll note, uh, is one of the writers uh, in the uh, New Testament. He writes his own letter. So... Paul is addressing this relationship because Onesimus is the slave, Philemon was the master, and that was what led to Philemon writing his letter. So I would challenge you to go and read that letter because he was indeed a slave owner in the Colossian church. So we need to understand that that did take place. We're not denying it took place. Um, that's actually referenced further down in verse 9, and we'll get to that. But we want to make sure that we're looking at it exactly as it's being referred to as far as the importance of the relationship of the person with Jesus Christ. As a reminder, we're talking about human beings and human behavior. And human beings sometimes say things they shouldn't say or do things they shouldn't do. So Paul is making a point to say, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have who? A master in heaven, Jesus Christ. Okay. And I'm willing to debate with anyone about that if they have any questions about this later on. Let's continue in the passage and starting up with verse 2 of Colossians chapter 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, notice how he finishes off talking about the household. And now he's referring to everyone. And what should be the main way of thinking here? Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. You should be praying. Prayer should be the most important aspect of your life, seeking the Lord all day long. And it's very important for us to do that. Charles Stanley uh, actually mentioned something about this, about waiting on the favor of God this morning uh, on television. And it's actually on right now on Channel 47, uh, the same message. And um, 
I also have an InTouch app, and I was able to watch it on my own while I was not watching TV. But one of the most important things he said this morning that is worth noting is that, do you know when God is speaking to you? Do you know when God is speaking to you? How do you know if you have favor with God? If God is speaking to you, you have favor with him automatically because he's trying to communicate with you. Do you know when he's speaking to you? Um, but in the only way you're going to really know is if you're being steadfast in prayer and seeking the Lord. As you're seeking the Lord, he is going to be speaking to you and answering your prayers. Sometimes he answers your prayers right away. Sometimes he tells you to wait. Sometimes there's a conflict there that you have to resolve before even a prayer can be made. So all of these things you have to be conscious of. So staying steadfast in prayer for all of us, especially today, for all of us is very, very important. We need to stay uh, in prayer, stay focused on prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Look at verse 3. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So Paul is even asking for you to pray for him, the people of the church, to pray for him to make sure that the things that he says, even though he's in prison, he can still speak about the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And... Paul is asking for people to pray for him as he is praying for this wisdom. So you see how important prayer is for all members of the household, all members of the body of Christ, no matter where you come from or what your status is. Prayer is the important part of this entire exercise. If you want to make sure that you're treating people the right way, pray about it. If you want to make sure that you're getting your bad attitude out of the way, Give that to the Lord and pray about it. And how many of you have had a bad attitude at one point or another this past week? Uh, you know, you, you can acknowledge it or you don't need to, but all, all of us, excuse me, have sometimes bad attitudes that need to be fixed. And sometimes we need to go to prayer to do that. And sometimes we need to hear the Lord say, are you supposed to be acting like that? Is this your behavior that you should be endeavoring, that you should be taking part in? And he'll get you to think about it. And he'll make you think about it and say, you know what, Lord? No, it's not right. It's not the right way to be at all. It's not, I shouldn't be talking to someone the way I'm talking to them. I shouldn't be mistreating someone that way. So Paul's giving direction to everybody in the household to be prayerful. Make sure that you're praying. Make sure that all of you are praying, not just for yourselves, but pray for other people as well, too. So I'm going to trust that it's your responsibility, that you assume it's your responsibility to pray for all members of the church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for his wife. Pray for the family of the pastor. um, Because anybody associated with uh, leadership in the church is under a lot of attack. And so that's something that we need to understand, too. You're in Satan's domain. Satan does not want to see leadership succeed. It's... Uh, quite apparent uh, for those of you who are paying attention to the news a little bit, you know, Jerry Falwell Jr. had to resign uh, as the chancellor at Liberty University the other day because there was stuff that was coming up and there was so much that was going on in that family that was causing so much of a distraction that he had to step away because what happens is if you have so much of a distraction now, you're taking away from the message of Christ. And it's really a sad thing to see because you have to understand that 
Satan um, has defeated some people. But you have to trust that those people come back stronger and better than ever uh, on the other side of it. You have to trust that God is going, going to be speaking to those individuals and helping them through those situations. But God is not going to want someone representing him and his church who doesn't have their act together completely. Not just partially, not just publicly, but also privately. Those are all very important things to see. In other words, you don't treat someone publicly differently than you treat others privately. So that's a lesson that goes back to the first part of this passage. Private responsibility, private uh, behaviors must match up with public behaviors. If you want to do be in leadership, if you want to lead someone, because God knows the heart of the individual. God knows the heart of every individual. God knows the heart, and all of us, frankly, are wicked. So we need to make sure that we are getting back to what we need to do to make sure we're focused on the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that we're doing. Um, speak for myself first. Um, I know my wife can speak for herself um, as a believer, and she'd tell you the same thing. You have to have that type of consistent behavior no matter where you are and what you're doing. So he's saying to pray. Pray for yourself and pray for others and be watchful and be thankful that God is blessing. Um, God is blessing you day by day as you seek after him. And God also challenges you and chastens you uh, if you're not doing what you should be doing. Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Make your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. The salt is what we refer to about the word and, and making sure that we're, you know, the word is it's a, it's a fresh thing so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Walking in wisdom towards outsiders. Who are the outsiders? The outsiders are those people who um, may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. So once you leave your home, once you leave your household, and you're treating everyone the way you should be treating them, and you understand that you're doing so because you're looking to the Lord Jesus Christ, you stay prayerful, Make sure you're praying for others. And when you leave the household, you're speaking now to others and being gracious. When you go out to the grocery store, when you go to the department store, when you go to the department store, wow. I haven't heard department store in a while. So uh, when you go to Target, okay, when you go to a store like that or go to Walmart, <laughs> I know, right? Um, when you go out to a grocery store, when you go out to a store in general, make sure that your speech is gracious, that you're speaking to people with kindness making the best use of your time. It doesn't mean you're talking constantly, but when you are speaking, you're speaking and taking direction from the Lord as to where your speech should be. Make sure that you're doing those very things. Um, that's very important for us to see. Um, let's talk about this prayer thing real quick. I mean, when we talk about being watchful in prayer, are you praying even when you go outside into these other areas where you might run into unbelievers? It should be a constant effort. Prayer is an expression of your faith. Prayer is an expression of who you are as a person. If you have a valuable relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, prayer should be a strong, strong part of that. It shouldn't be a situation where you're just praying 
once in a while and then you stop praying. It should be continual. So uh, let's get back, recycle again. Starts in the home, how you treat other people, praying for other people as well too. And then when you go outside, you stay in prayer. So these are things that are very important for us to understand. Now, I don't know if people get tired of praying. Um, Maybe they get tired of praying because they're not getting the answers that God is giving. But we have to understand that sometimes God is not answering your prayer because he knows what's best for you. And he knows what you need at that proper time. And so we need to come back and look at how the prayers that we are directing to God, are we looking for something that's fleshly or are we looking for what God would have us to do in those situations? So we need to make sure our prayers are prayers that are given directly towards those very things about being watchful in thanksgiving and making sure that as we even look to other people outside of our homes, that we are doing what is best in prayer. Sometimes we get answers to prayer that we don't expect. Sometimes we just get those things. We don't know where it comes from. But in all cases, God wants you to succeed. God wants you to have prosperity in him, not money, but prosperity as far as your your faith, your health, your very soul indeed. Uh, These are things we need to look at. He wants what's best for you. So he's going to do what's best for you. And what we have to understand too, though, is that the flesh wants something sometimes that's greater than what he wants us to have. And he doesn't want to give us that because it's not good for us. So we need to make sure that we're deciphering in our prayers, what is fleshly and what is genuine. And that's always going to be the focus for us as we look at what we would have to do, uh, have ourselves to do before the Lord. A lot of us pray pray for in a very fleshly manner. So if we're praying in a fleshly manner, guess what you're going to get? You're going to get no response from God. You're not going to get what he wants you to, to have. And you're going to wind up making decisions that are going to be costly in the long run. You know what? When we mess up, God helps us through those messes. He gives us direction on what to do to help us through those messes. Um, Even when things are uncertain out there, he still speaks to us directly. So we need to determine, is he speaking to us? Now, here's something I thought about this morning before I, I came on. And I want you to understand something that's very important. When God speaks to you, when it comes to prayer... Sometimes it's not necessarily an audible voice in how he speaks to you. It's something that only can be done through the Spirit. Now, there will be times when he does speak to you where there's an audible voice. He says something very clearly. It's different for everybody. But we need to understand when we talk about and read about in Scripture about those groanings of the Spirit that are undecipherable. Well, sometimes that's how he speaks to us. Because we need to understand that It's not always a vocal presentation that God uses to speak to us. Sometimes it's just the groanings of the Spirit that give us direction and guidance. If we're continually praying and seeking after Him, He is going to give us direction for our lives. And it may be an audible voice, and it may be just a groaning of the Spirit. But He will definitely do those things for us. So I want to make that very clear that some people have a question, is God speaking to us? Absolutely. He is always speaking to you. He's always speaking. He's speaking to you, but we have to now be sensitive to what he's saying. 
So that was just a profound thought that I wanted to share with you to make sure that you understand that knowing how he speaks to you is not important. Know that he does speak to you. And he will do it in different ways. And sometimes he will speak to you through different people, which is something we've talked about before uh, in our conversations about making a pact with Jesus Christ, uh, about praying, asking, consulting with others, and trusting in the results. Um, The other person may be sent your way to speak to you about perhaps something that you were praying about. We need to be cautious about that, of course, um, making sure that we're not uh, just taking the advice of anybody who walks up to you You need to qualify where it's coming from and make sure that what is being said is true. But you do that through what? Prayer. You just pray to the Lord and say, is this something that you are endorsing? And Lord, are you the one saying this to me? And the Lord is going to give you an inkling and say, yeah, this is exactly what I'm saying to you. Are you paying attention? Are you listening? So these are things that we need to look at here. I went through all of that to talk about the importance of the household relationship. And prayer should be at the foundation of all of that. Making sure that we're all getting along with each other. Now, we already know that we don't get along with everybody in our families, amen? And that's not right. It shouldn't be that way because that's the flesh that's usually getting in the way. But if it's your responsibility to try to get along with others, you take that responsibility. You can't make other people do what's right. I just had a conversation about that before we get on. You can't make somebody else do what's right. You have to take the leadership and do what's right. You can pray for the other person to make sure they do what's right. You can pray that the other person responds and comes around. Um, But ultimately, you can't make someone in your own family sometimes do what's right. That's not the point. Um, uh, Back in the day here, uh, a person who is a master over a slave, you can't make a slave do what's right. Uh, if they're going to still rebel against you. So behavior is very important here. You need to treat people the right way and expect to be treated the right way. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. We're treating people, and we're not doing things to suck up to people. We're not doing things to... We don't treat them one way um, to their face and mock them from behind. All these behaviors are not what Christ would have you to do. Amen? Um, these are very important things for us to remember here, too, when it comes to relationships. We still treat people with respect. We still treat people fairly all the way across the board. If they're in your presence or not in your presence. And we know that in this world today, we have a lot of people who are double-minded. Um, double-mindedness uh, can run rampant even within the body of Christ. So as far as you're concerned, as far as what you do... You treat people the right way, even if others are mistreating you. Amen? Treat people the right way. Uh, This is what it really comes down to. This is what Paul is saying in this passage about treating people the right way and being aware of how you're treating them. Um, Taking the flesh out of what you do and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in everything that you do. Taking the flesh out of it. If you take the flesh out of it, you're going to be that much further ahead when it comes to your relationships with the Lord. So the last part of this, I'm not going to read all of this because there are points that I wanted to mention to you about uh, Tychicus and all that. He's pointing out to um, the church that he's a a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant and that he's being sent to the church. 
So Paul is giving the church the heads up that Tychicus is the person that they need to be looking to for guidance because Paul is not is in prison, can't get out. And sometimes we need to make sure that when we are responding to other people and helping them along, that we send people who are faithful to the Lord, serving the Lord, doing what is necessary to uh, be uh, strong in the Lord. And we need to make sure that we're doing those very things. That's why we pray for others, because we can't oversee everything that happens. Amen. Um, if if your wife is away from you, and for example, when my wife was at work at Westlake and I'm in Beechwood, guess what? I was prayerful that everything was going great with her where she was because she was clear across town. It's not like I could just get over there and do something right away if something was happening. So we need to understand that sometimes we have to be conscious of um, we're not always together. We're, we're as a family, but we still love and support our family. I have family members. I have family members in Durham, North Carolina. I have family members in Canton, Ohio. There are family members in Texas. There are family members in uh, Virginia family members in Florida. I can't be everywhere at one time. You have to be prayerful for those individuals and make sure that you're looking at all those things. Okay, so I think we've covered everything we need to cover here and looking at the time, and I was rather long-winded today, but uh, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer uh, as we close out for Sunday school today. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for the lessons you teach us even in this passage it doesn't matter the relationship of the person in the household or even outside of the household. All that matters is how we look to you and how we treat other people and how you would have us to focus on treating people the right way, being kind to them, being considerate to them, being patient with them, understanding that they may not always understand or get along with you for whatever reason. It doesn't matter. It matters only that we are looking to you for guidance and instruction as to how we are to treat people. We thank you for Paul's lessons here. We thank you for Paul's instruction. We thank you for Paul's guidance. And in fact, Lord, it's not Paul. It's your guidance. It's your instruction. It's your word. You are speaking through Paul as he speaks to his people. We thank you for those lessons. Lord, help us to be mindful as we are prayerful going forward. We give you thanks and praise for all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, that went longer than I wanted it to, but that's okay because I wanted to cover some important points about making sure that we're understanding about God's voice and speaking to us. So with that in mind, we're going to uh, dismiss here, and we will catch up with you next week for another episode of Sunday School. Uh, God bless you and keep you. For those of you coming down to Akron, I'll see you in about 40 minutes or so. Take care of yourself. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.